0: Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. This month is First Fruits when we remind ourselves that God wants us to put him first in our lives. And in our hearts we re- genuinely want to do that we we long to put the lord our god first in our lives we long to love him with all our heart soul mind and strength because that after all is what jesus said is the greatest commandment but the problem is that on our own we can't fulfill that commandment perfectly At some time or other, we'll always put something else ahead of God in our lives. And when we do that, we can feel we've let God down, that we've um, failures as followers of Jesus, that just as we're disappointed with ourselves, God must be disappointed with us, that Look, we just can't put God first in our lives. so really what's the point in trying? I'll give it a half-hearted go, but what's the point in trying? And yet every single character in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus himself, is in the exact same situation. Hebrews chapter 11 gives a long list of great men and women of God, and every one of them was asked as we are to put God first in their lives. And every one of them, as we do, failed to do so at some stage in their lives. And yet, every one of them, God describes as a hero of the faith. Not once in Hebrews chapter 11 is any of their numerous failures ever mentioned. God just focuses on our faith and not our failures. God focuses on our often gritty determination to keep on putting him first, no matter what we've done. And so let's look at another incident, another example from one of the uh, disciples of Jesus. And let this example encourage encourage us that we need to keep on putting God first no matter how often we mess up. Simon Peter was so confident he would always put Jesus first. He would stick by Jesus no matter what. And yet only a few hours later, he denied Jesus three times. Oh, instantly, Peter knows exactly what he's done. He's Put himself, his own self-interest, his own self-preservation, his own life ahead of God. And he's really sorry for that. But then he lets those thoughts come into his mind. And he lets those voices take control of his mind. And he convinces himself that he's a failure as a follower of Jesus, that there's no way God would ever want to use him again. And that because he's failed at putting God first, well, he might as well just give up and try and he runs away to what he knows he can do, which is his old life as a fisherman. And we pick up the story in John chapter 21 and verse 15. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated his question the second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, My Lord, you know everything. You know that I have great affection for you. Jesus replied, Then feed my lambs. The first thing I notice from this passage is that Jesus calls us to focus on God and not on our failures. Jesus asked Peter a question, do you love me more than these? Now when Jesus asks a question, it's never because he doesn't know the answer. It's always to bring us closer to God. Jesus knows exactly what Peter did, but to Jesus, that's not the issue. Peter knows exactly what Peter did, and to Peter, that's the only issue. Peter couldn't forgive himself, and in not forgiving himself, he believed that God couldn't forgive him. And Jesus' question is to refocus Peter from himself and back on to God and God's plans for his life. And Jesus is asking us the same question in our 21st century lives. Do we love him more than anything else in our lives? And as with Peter, Jesus asks us that question not to condemn us or to make us feel guilty, but to bring us closer to him, to bring our focus back onto God. And as fallen human beings, we all lack the ability to obey any of God's commands, never mind the greatest one to love him first in our lives. And yet, that is the whole point. God does not expect us to perfectly obey his commands. Instead, God expects us to look to him, to focus on him, to be the one, To obey his commands for us in and through our lives. To be the one to look to him as Jesus, the one who perfectly obeyed, perfectly loved the Father 2,000 years ago. To keep focusing on Jesus and keep focusing on God no matter what we do. how we mess up, or what situation we are in. To be focused on God and not on our failures. To be as the psalmist puts it, God is the one who stood down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I'd gotten myself into. Now, God's lifted me up into a firm, secure place and steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. Oh, a new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. So let's focus on God and not on our failures. The next point I notice that Jesus wants us to take from this passage is that we are to focus on God and the enormity of his love for us and not on the inadequacy of our love for him. Jesus asks Peter and us, do you love me more than these? For us to realise that our ultimate satisfaction and ultimate good is found in God our Creator and not in created things. When we love created things more than God, we are actually missing out on the very, very best that God has for us and longs to give us. Oh, it's not that everything else other than God in our lives is bad. And that we are to abandon them. No, no, far from it. When God finished his creation, he declared that everything he'd made was very good. God gives us everything richly to enjoy. But he designed us to enjoy all of his creation. With reigning and ruling with him in perfect partnership. The problem is that so often in our lives, we let created things rule and reign over us. We who should be the ones who rule and reign over creation are the ones who let creation rule and reign over our lives. You see, the commandment... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Is really so that we can discover that the very best for our lives is found in him, the creator. And not so much at all even in created things. You see, created things are very good. God told us that. But God, our creator, is infinitely better. Created things are lovely, but God our creator is infinitely more lovely and infinitely more beautiful. Created things are there for us richly to enjoy, but only in God our creator do we find our greatest possible enjoyment. It's as we truly grasp that God is the most lovely and the most beautiful above all things, that our desire to love him above everything else will increase. God is love. He's the source of all true love. And we can only love him first in our lives because he first loved us. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we can only love anything in our lives, including God, as the Holy Spirit enables us. But the Holy Spirit longs to and desires deeply to give us more understanding of the love of God for us. So the question is, will we look for, will we seek out God's love for us? But the Holy Spirit is always longing to help us love God more. So the question is, are we prepared to seek God's help Seek the Holy Spirit's fresh revelation to us throughout our day? Are we prepared to ask the Holy Spirit for fresh downloading of revelation about our lives as we go through the hustle and bustle of everyday lives? As we go through our prayer time and our Bible study, our work time, our family time, our leisure time, our time alone, our time with others? Are we asking the Holy Spirit for fresh downloading of God's love for us? Now the next thing I notice from this passage is that Jesus wants to focus on God and his future for us, not on our past. Because of his failure, Peter had limited his vision of God's plans for his life to what had been in the past, to being a fisherman. He'd lost the sight of the vastness and the greatness of God's plan for his life. God had a wonderful plan for Peter. That included all of God's promises. But Peter could only see his past and his failures and none of his future. In declaring Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus is refocusing Peter's vision from himself Back onto God and back onto God's plans for His future. Our God is in the restoration business. He's in the business of restoring lives that are hopeless and have got no purpose to lives that have got hope and a future. He's in the restoration business of restoring broken down lives that are in fear and and have got no pointed purpose into lives that have got his shalom, his peace, his wholeness, his perfection in them. God's in the business of restoring Peter from a fisherman without a purpose to a fisher of men with a God-ordained purpose. And so for us, God has a God-ordained purpose for us. There is a God-assignment for us that he's given us to do from before the world began, no matter what we've done and no matter what we've messed up. You see, God wants us to grasp, no matter how badly we've gone off track, our God-ordained purpose again in our lives. God's the God of the second chance, and he's the God of another chance, and another chance, and yet another chance. His grace and his mercy and his forgiveness to us is amazing. He describes himself as the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Now, every character in the Bible, apart from Jesus himself, deviates of God's plan for for our lives, every single human being has done the exact same. Um, The first Adam chose his way rather than God's ways and we've been all following suit ever since. But thanks be to God that actually Jesus came as the second Adam and he perfectly obeyed and perfectly loved God's plans and he's the one who actually restores us back into God's plans for our lives. When we accept God's restoration plan for our lives, we have hope in the future. Yes, for this life, but also for the life to come. We have an eternal hope, an eternal future. And sometimes that eternal hope and eternal future means trusting God no matter what in every situation, putting him first from an internal perspective. So putting God first from an eternal perspective means putting him first at all times, even when God appears to be silent, even when God appears to say no, even when God says wait, even when God says not yet, even when bad things happen to us and good things don't happen to us. And even when it costs, and it will cost us, it'll cost us our pride and our self-will and our self-gratification and our everything to do with self. And it might even cost us, like the disciples and Jesus himself, our freedom and even our lives. But it's when you grasp that God in all his beauty and all his wonder and all his splendor is so much worth it, then the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Then we'll be able to say, like Peter, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then we'll be able to grasp, like Stephen, as he was being stoned, a fresh download of the Holy Spirit, of what he's lying ahead of him, of the beauty of heaven and the glory of God and the majesty and the eternity and the splendour of it all. And then he can say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And the Stephen was being stoned. A young man was watching him. And that young man himself accepted the offer of God's restoration. And that young man grew into the Apostle Paul. And that young man discovered, like all the other heroes of the faith, that putting God first is so much better than anything else this world can offer. That young man said these words. I consider everything a loss because of the unsurpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead.